Welcome to another episode of Power Skills for Success, the podcast where we explore the most sought after skills in the modern world. Today, we hope to answer a very intriguing question. Is blockchain a power skill of modern days? And my guest today is Kyle Sonlin, a prominent figure in the blockchain industry. Kyle's experience ranges from being an investor to a miner to an advisor and executive. He's not only a blockchain expert, but he's also a best-selling author. So let's tap into Kyle's expertise on blockchain and discover if blockchain truly is the power skill in today's world or maybe future. Hi, Kyle. How are you today? I am great. I'm really excited to be here, Anna. Thank you for having me. We are, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to, to work together in the Miami community here and, and even better to, to be on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for finding the time. I know you must be busy wearing so many hats. By the way, Kyle, tell my audience how many hats are you wearing and what do you actually do in the blockchain world and not only. Well, yeah, I've been in the, the blockchain industry since 2013. I started using the technology. I was building consensus mechanisms for some of the early technology providers that were building blockchain systems. That led me all around the world to speak at conferences in different countries, as well as speaking at, at Stanford University and other colleges and universities and spoke at Google and, and did some, some fun things back in the day. And, and that progressed into really my interest in the intersection between blockchain and tokenization technology and the financial markets with Wall Street. So over you know the course of, of five or six years following that, I then co-founded a business working on the tokenization of real-world assets, equities, and real estate and debt. So I have a pretty good perspective of everything from the infrastructure, how mining and hardware works, as well as the, the real use cases on the financial markets as well. Wow, this is exciting. So you are this like go-to expert that uh, people can just... Uh... Uh, come to you and like, I have this blockchain question and you pretty much, you can pretty much answer any. Is that sure. right? You know, I think that, I think that the long story short is that, you know, you need to build a business model that, that holds technology as kind of something to the side that, that whether it's leveraging AI or blockchain or any of these kinds of deeper technologies, it really does require having a business and a business model first. So oftentimes companies will come to me to figure out how do we align the business that we're doing and our core opportunity with new technologies to improve that process, to reduce costs or to increase the opportunities that, that we're receiving or getting in terms of leads or clients or investors. And so that's where I think a lot of the technology layers in is a nice piece on top of an existing strong business model. So first business model, then product. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Nice. The look. It's only like what three minutes into the show. And, uh, <laughs> check. Yeah. I mean, I wrote it down. Oh, okay. So speaking about blockchain, how did this happen for you? Like, I mean, I don't know um, how many people watching this show are going to be very much familiar with blockchain, right? I mean, we're not gonna. Uh, be like super educational here. I just wanna, I just wanna hear the story, right? Because like we learned the best from uh, people, other people's stories. So, what was the first time that you came across blockchain? Like, how did you get into the space in the first place? 
I definitely think that I found a lot of benefit in the idea of having a digital means of transacting in currencies. So when you're dealing with any type of international payment or or anything along those lines, it, it made a lot of sense to me that we would use new technologies to solve some of those problems that if you've ever opened a bank account or, or dealt with, with wire transactions or anything like that to handle those processes. And now, you know, we do have, you know, Venmo or Zelle or some of these things that start to solve those problems, but even those solutions are not perfect. And so I think that for me, that was certainly the, the first compelling use case in combination with with the exact other side of the coin which was i was working with consensus mechanisms and that's a really large complicated industry and and i don't want to overcomplicate our show here yeah but basically i <laughs> must I, be mindful of terminology here you know, for me where i really started to do a lot of work in the industry was with distributed systems or AI, right? So if you have a few different AI programs that are operating you know, autonomously, you're telling it to do something and it's doing it on its own. If we have two AI programs that are doing things on their own and then they disagree, right? They, they reach a situation where it's unclear which path to reach. We need a method of resolving that disagreement. And that's where a lot of the work that I went into initially in the industry was actually trying to work and solve for those problems, which whether it's AI systems or whether it's decentralized systems like a DAO or a group of individuals that doesn't have a centralized president or leader at the top that makes the decisions. If we're making kind of a group decision, we need to figure out how the group reaches an agreement if all those different individuals, you know, aren't on the same page. And so that's something that I also found very compelling was on the governance side of decision making. So um, uh, technically, when you got into the blockchain space, you how did you educate yourself? Did you like just start working with it? Or was it like, what was your learning curve right there? Getting your hands dirty with skin in the game is is I think the best way to learn about especially cutting edge technologies, because there's really not a lot of materials to teach you very much. The, the, you know, things that are happening that are very novel, that are super innovative, that have just come out or just launched or, or are really on that bleeding edge of innovation. The problem is that there's only a few people that are actually working on it and developing these solutions. There's certainly not a lot of people that are documenting and recording what's going on. And so there's always a little bit of a lag with respect to what's actually being you know, communicated to the world. So there's certainly, I think, value in educational resources. And I actually did publish a book with a couple of co-authors to oh my God, try to set the record I have a book. Tell, um, tell, tell us more about the book. What is the book about and how can we get it? So I, I literally, we wrote a book called Blockchain Explained, um, trying to break down a lot of those concepts and how they relate to the financial markets. Because some of the, the more basic concepts are the things that are being innovated upon in the financial world. They don't necessarily need the leading edge innovation because there are already so many steps behind that even a small incremental improvement really can have significant benefits. So that's where we tried to focus was trying to take and distill this huge market and this huge 
hype cycle and think about, all right, what are the actual benefits here? How does it translate for a financial company, for a banker, or for somebody that wants to really try to make a business application behind some of these innovations? That's very cool. So is it Amazon? Is it on Amazon? Can yeah. we get it on Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's in Barnes and Noble. It's anywhere you can buy books. I love it. You're Barnes and Noble uh, author. This yeah, is yeah, no, it was, it, it's crazy to think about. I, I certainly wouldn't have expected that, but I love this. Yeah, uh, definitely on my agenda because my book is uh, my you know, my my book is on Amazon, but not in Barnes and Noble. So definitely there. So okay, uh, let's get back to the question sure. to the main question of our podcast: Is blockchain a power skill of modern world? or modern days, right? Is it the power skill? Like when I talk about power skill, I mean, is this the skill, understanding blockchain, engaging with blockchain, working with blockchain? I don't know. Um, is this something that everyone these days needs or now, or maybe needs to develop for future? What do you think? I think so. And I, I think that there's a lot of different angles that you can take that question. Something like, like the blockchain industry is, is heavily technical by its literal definition. And so from that regard, it may not be for everyone. There may be a set of people that, that do computer science and are really fascinated with what the actual technicals behind, you know, some of the things that I was initially working on. You know, some people may be really interested in that. Other people might not. But there are some really key components around the Web3 space that I think are super relevant to everyone. And especially in a day and age like today, where building communities is so powerful, monetizing those communities is, is really, really important. And we're seeing there are, you know, increasing barriers to monetizing those communities, but also to capture and build sticky environments that people want to participate in. We're seeing that the, the blockchain industry is creating this long-term record of what you've been able to do, how you've been participating, and that prevents or at least maintains the culture of a group of individuals that may never meet in person. So a lot of the digital-related communication, transactions, and sharing of information that we do on a day-to-day -day basis I believe needs to be recorded on a blockchain in order to actually believe what you're seeing. Absolutely. I can, um, you know, share my personal experience uh, using blockchain for my company for English for IT, which uh, like back in the day, I mean, 2021, all the NFT projects are hyping. Everyone is literally everyone I knew in Miami was either launching NFTs or like being like part of another NFT project. So obviously like I wanted do, to do the same thing, but I was a little bit late in this game. So then I started thinking, it was, you know, the hype was already over. And I was thinking, uh, how can I leverage blockchain for my company, but like for education, right? Not just to build a community and get people to pay to enter my community, but create something that is going to be useful for my educational project. And uh, back then I started receiving, um, negative feedback on credentials on certificates of completion that we were giving to people so we we had like we we were super old school it was just a pdf created by our designer you know we it was just like all manual and people were like and this is wrong like you know like this is like what is this you know <laughs> you have the wrong number here and there and then i'm like okay how about i use blockchain and I leverage blockchain to issue certificates. It's going to be another NFT. So I'm going to be leveraging, leveraging the same NFT technology, but this time 
I'm not selling anything. I'm using it for my business. So I added it to my like business tech, like my tech stack of my business. And you know what? Uh, we didn't even imagine that it would be a selling point to some of our clients because when we, um, you know, talk about what we offer, we say we offer blockchain very verified certificates. And uh, my clients, which are tech companies, they like, wow. These people are different. This is not another language uh, teaching provider. They understand tech, and this is exactly what we need. So um, for me, technically, blockchain happened to be that power skill that uh, enabled my business to stand out from other businesses, similar businesses, and also make my audience happy and also make my audience more um knowledgeable because not everyone knows about blockchain. So in order to receive our our certificate, you have to have a MetaMask wallet. Well, you don't have to have the MetaMask wallet, uh, but or you may not know about it. So what we, what we did, we actually added um, a lesson to each course how what MetaMask wallet is and how to get it. So in order to get a certificate, they have to, you know, take right. the lesson. Pass the test. And yeah, pass the test, uh, get the MetaMask wallet and receive their certificate. So, and you know what? I thought that people are going to be um, hating this because that's like an extra thing to do, right? And you know what? We haven't received a single negative comment on the fact that they had to get a MetaMask wallet to get a certificate, you know? That's so super cool. It's super cool. So we kind of like onboarded more people into Web3 with the, guess what, with the English and Effective Communication course. That's, <laughs> so that's so smart. And I think that that is such a, a magical example of the real benefits of this technology. There are certainly monetization opportunities with speculation and investing and the stock market of the metaverse and doing those types of things. But the average person, even with traditional stocks or whatever, doesn't spend all day thinking about those things. We do a lot of things throughout our day-to-day -day lives. And when you look at, you know, for example, the job search, right? In the job search today, it's easier than ever to apply for any one job, which is why it's difficult sometimes for people to find jobs because everyone's applying to a thousand jobs, which overwhelms the companies. And it also maybe dilutes the job application pool of the people that are really searching for that. And so everyone has these resumes and it's become common practice for most people to really try to upsell their accomplishments based off of the things that they've, they've done or on LinkedIn. You can kind of just add whatever you want onto your LinkedIn profile. But if we had a system where you could verify that you've actually accomplished the things that you did, if you graduated from a specific university and you have your degree on an on-chain wallet, you could then be immediately able to verify, yes, this is my degree, this is my diploma, and I verify that I did in fact go there and graduate and potentially store in that NFT your GPA or your transcript, right? And so you could then be able to share that immediately, programmatically, and in a trustless way so that an employer or a, or a client that you want to work with can immediately validate those things. And I think that in so many ways, a driver's license or a boating license or whatever, right? These, these types of certifications, anything that you would want to be able to showcase, whether it's from professional qualifications like that, whether it's 
accomplishments or achievements that you've been able to do if you won an award through any type of of company or any type of award ceremony or if you know certainly in a gamification perspective in your hobbies and and your recreational activities if you were esteemed in some way, being able to show off those things across industries and across all of the things that you're accomplishing, I think is such a powerful use case here. What do you, what do you, what would you uh, say to someone, you know, there are a lot of people who don't really want to show what they are doing or what they've done. It's like security and like, you know, transparency is one thing, but also your private like life and activities is a different thing. With blockchain, everything is transparent, right? It's all transparent, verifiable, um, credible. So like, what do you think about, you know, different sort of sort of people are like, what is the reaction going to be? Would everyone would like most people want to go in that direction of, you know, leveraging blockchain and showing the world what they're up to and what they have been up to? I think it's a really great question. And it's an important one because, you know, on one side of the coin, you're we're always being watched by everyone already, whether you like it or not. And so there's some level of, at least in a system that's fully transparent, that becomes a two-sided way where at least everyone has the same information as opposed to one group of individuals that is able to kind of do deep research on, on anyone and really get to know you. You're not as private as you think you are to start. But on the other side of the coin, there is a lot of opportunity to create types of sharing information because just because we see that a token was issued into a particular wallet, we don't necessarily always have full insight and transparency into what that actually is. So especially with, with transacting with ownership in, in different assets, we may not know how much money an individual has. We just know that transactions did in fact occur. So there are, there, it doesn't necessarily mean that every single thing that you're going to be doing is visible by everyone. There certainly are controls that you can put into place to choose how visible some of your public profiles are versus your, your, your private information. And of course, I think those things do need to be separate and we do need to be mindful about those types of things. But I mean, when you think about it today, between your LinkedIn, your Instagram, and all of your social medias, there's quite a bit online already about where what we're all up to that I actually think that that's not quite as big of a deal as it may sound on the surface. I just wanted to say that it's going to be similar to transition into social media era, right? Because when it just started, people were talking about this uh, security, transparency, like and everything, right. you know, like data, data protection and everything. But now we're like across all kinds of social media, right? And this is not a problem anymore. There is only one thing. Well, not maybe only, but there is one thing that my concern, uh, again, regarding payments, right, on uh, blockchain, you know, if you made a mistake with, uh, if you make a mistake, you know, it's it's just irreversible. Like you can't, you can't, I mean, I made this mistake and it was like really <laughs> sad, <laughs> but unfortunately my money went, mm. um, I don't know, to no one, or maybe do you think it like, if you made a mistake, uh, it doesn't go anywhere or like it, it may arrive in some wallet. What, how does it happen? Yeah, so this is really important and and this is where, you know, when when I focus on financial asset tokenization, we get asked this question a lot. 
where, all right, if, if there's a company and they create a token that represents the ownership of their business, and then I lose that token as an investor, is it gone forever? Can I be hacked or stolen? I know that with Bitcoin or something that can happen. And the answer is no, not with real world assets, because not every token is created the same. So when you use different standards to create the token, you can actually add permissions. So one example of a permission is if you own a stock, if you go to Robinhood and you purchase a share of Apple, Robinhood knows you're the person that purchased that share. And you can't just have that stolen. Robinhood knows, all right, you, you're the owner. So if, if you lose track of the document that says you own the share, we'll just send you another copy of that document because we know that you're the owner. And in the same way, especially with asset tokenization, we have the same level of standard. So you identify who you are and that you're purchasing these assets so that there's no risk of getting these things stolen or lost. Because if that did happen with the actual token itself, we could just reclaim that asset and give it back to you. And so that's, I think, a really important piece here. Also to mention, I also think that it's less likely as this market continues to get more and more mature, that people will end up transacting one-to-one between each other. In that same Robinhood example, most people interface with a bank account or with Robinhood or with a platform in order to service a lot of the things that they're looking to do. And one of the benefits of working with a centralized platform is that they have some controls over making sure that these things happen in a smooth process. I think you're going to see a similar standard be adopted by this industry as well. Blockchain allows this process to be smoother and more transparent and and cheaper and faster. But I don't think that that necessarily means that we remove a lot of the benefits that come with making sure that safety is prioritized. So is it only possible for centralized or decentralized too? You mentioned that it's... Decentralized is certainly where we see more of these types of transactions happening because it's you know, a lot of those individuals would say that's a feature and not a bug. And while there is downside towards potentially losing or having things stolen, there is upside in that freedom and flexibility from having anyone in between you that could try to prevent you from doing what you'd like to do. So I think that there certainly is going to be a more centralized adopted solution that the general public decides to use that's a little bit more friendly and has a little bit more of those safeguards which people are willing to pay for with you know giving up a little bit of of some of that flexibility but there are traditional peer-to-peer or decentralized style of networks that perhaps offer more flexibility and more options but that does come with increased risk because there's no one that you're going to really be able to turn to to help sort out your problems if if you find anything. yourself in a, in a sticky yeah, situation. Yeah, anything happens. Yeah, well, so speaking about, you know, blockchain, um, I believe personally that um, as a skill, right, um, it, it, as a modern professional or modern human being, you have to be aware of what, like, current trends and what's, like, around you. And speaking of blockchain, like you said earlier, it's, like, very technical. And, you know, if you want to be developing in on blockchain that's like one thing but probably for just an average person blockchain is about having a crypto wallet that i would say right. that's the to start with right um kyle what's your recommendation what's your recommendation on um becoming more literate in, in blockchain like learning more about it, it besides having that crypto wallet so that you can at least 
buy some cryptocurrency and um, I don't know, uh, send money, receive money, or maybe receive a, a certificate of completion from the English variety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, certainly if we want to start by promotion, to start by reading my book. But uh, but in order to actually get involved, I think that there are a, a two potential methods. One, I think where we're seeing the biggest adoption of the technology is actually through communities. So whether that's on you know going through Twitter and starting to look at some of the, you know, you could go on a website like coinmarketcap.com and look up some of the different trading tokens and then go on to social media and start to research and look at some of these individuals, start following along, just involving yourself in the discussion. There are tons of Discord channels and Telegram channels where people are talking all the time, 24-7 about these things. We also have a community ourselves, the Chain Miami here in South Florida, where we have built a Web3 community of individuals that are looking to get more involved in the space that are passionate about blockchain, that are passionate about innovative technology. And we're always looking to bring on new and excited individuals that want to really get involved in this space. So I think that finding your tribe, finding your community is really, really important and is, is the best first step to start to learn. That being said, be very careful about the information that you share. Don't share the information around, you know, where Don't you're at. Be careful about some of your private information. There, you know, there are there is your public wallet address that people can send you stuff. And then there's your private wallet address or your private keys. And that's what you can use to recover that wallet, but you don't want to share that with people. So sometimes you have to be careful about joining communities because people will try to take advantage. But that doesn't mean that it's it's something that you shouldn't try to just get more involved in the discourse and start communicating, talking about the industry, reading articles. I love the Bankless newsletter, for example. I think that Ryan, Sean Adams, and David Hoffman do such a great job with a lot of the content that they create. And there are so many amazing creators talking about this industry, even starting with YouTube and Google, what is Ethereum? And then start there, go down the rabbit hole, find somebody that you find compelling and, and continue your journey through there. Definitely. Thank you so much, Kyle, for sharing. I will ask you to share with me the links to your favorite communities and newsletters, and I'll yeah. uh, add them uh, in the description to our episode. In the meantime, it's been uh, 25 uh, short and sweet minutes. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. I really enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully more people will get into blockchain because I see no reason why not try new tech and uh, educate yourself for 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 present and also for future totally and and certainly you know if anyone has any questions or thoughts or wants to get involved reach out to me i'm i'm very responsive on instagram on linkedin on twitter you can find me at kyle sondland and uh, i'd be happy to point you in, in the right direction thank you kyle i'll also share all your links in the description so people Wonderful. can find you thank you so much and thank hopefully you. till the next time